Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Welcome to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach, and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Discover strategies and tactics that work positive as Dr. Joey talks with industry leaders who create a positive work culture that attracts top talent and reduces team turnover. Discover how you can create a work positive culture that increases productivity and profits. Here's your host, Dr. Joey. Work Positive Nation. Hey, um, so many people are resigning and changing jobs or, or attempting to change jobs. Companies are crashing and burning, and so it puts people out in the marketplace. But a lot of us are just choosing to opt out of our current workplace. And so because we're doing that, I, you know, I'm always intrigued. Okay, why are people doing that? Why are millions resigning monthly? At least they are right now in the summer of 22. So what is it that they're looking for? Today's guest is constantly working with small and medium-sized businesses and has his finger on the pulse of what people are looking for. And so two of the things we're going to talk about today that people are looking for at work are clarity and peace of mind. So I want you to keep those two filters in front of you and focus through those on today's podcast because you, along with everybody else in America, probably the world, are looking for clarity. That is clarity about what's my work, how's my work uh, connect with my personal life, how does my work connect with the greater mission, something bigger than myself, right, with the mission of this company, and then peace of mind just knowing that I can have some time to be with my family. Today's guest is an expert at being with family. I think he's got 139 grandchildren. <laughs> okay, maybe not quite that many, but I've got one, so I always feel like an underachiever when I'm with Chuck. <laughs> but anyway, he only we has 10 been, grandchildren. We have been blessed with 10 grandkids. Yes, yeah. we have this. 10's enough, right? Sometimes it seems like 139, though, right? When they're all at your house at the same time. <laughs> that is very true. There is definitely chaos at times, for sure. But it's so much fun. I would uh, highly encourage everybody that has the opportunity to uh, be able to experience being a grandparent. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, you know, I raised two daughters, as you know, Chuck, and, and that's the only reason I allowed and tolerated boys around my daughter. <laughs> Exactly. So that I can be a pops one day. Yes. Chuck Hoover is my guest, Work Positive Nation. Chuck, welcome to the Work Positive Podcast, man. Delighted to be with you again. Thank you, Dr. Joey. It's great to be here. Oh, uh, it really is. Whitewater Consulting is the name of the company. And Chuck Cooper dot info is the website and chuck's written a book recently called unprecedented it's an amazing book i was uh very very humbled to be an early reader of that and to walk along with chuck through the authoring journey and uh you're gonna love that book man especially if you're in the hr space chuck uh like i said earlier in the setup millions of people are resigning today they're looking for clarity and peace of mind what are some of the companies doing that you're working with, the top companies, what are they doing to attract top talent to their teams today? 
That's really, I mean, it, when we look at the great resignation that we've all seen and read about um, over the last several months, I think that's you know one of the, the greatest challenges that, that our clients are seeing right now is the attraction and the retention of, of key employees or really of high caliber talent in general. And so I think what a lot of we're seeing a lot of organizations doing right now is, for example, uh, since the pandemic, you know, we've had to start trying to understand with our employee base, they want that flexibility to be able to work from home, maybe our remote locations, or they want to be able to work hybrid, or some people love the uh, personal interaction. So mm. they're wanting to come back to the office. So what's a lot of organizations are doing right now is they're really changing the way that they write their job descriptions. And, and mm-hmm. they're offering that flexibility out to their employees, even though they have not typically done that in the past. I think a lot of organizations are still trying to figure out exactly what direction they want to go. And so rather than committing to something for the very long term, they're mm. saying, all right, this is our direction really for the next 12 months. Oh, okay. So, so we're sunset clause on it then. So we're having, at least they're putting that out there to say, we're, we will take another look at it at that point. And we're going to look at the operations and the effectiveness and the efficiency that we're seeing within our employee base and their productivity by allowing them to work you know, at different locations. Mm. So, so I think that's, that's one strategy we're seeing. One strategy that they're doing. Okay. Uh, it sounds like underneath that strategy, Chuck, is a, is a core value of listening to your employees. Exactly. And, I, you know, again, when we look back pre-pandemic, there was just a lot of organizations that were run under their, what I would call the command and control way of managing. And those those days are going by the wayside very, very quickly today. So, and there is a there has been a real transition from that model to a much more authentic, um, you know, being transparent and listening to your employees. And I think that that is really one of the, from my perspective, one of the key things that business leaders need to be doing to start to rebuild that trust and that relationship back with their people. Mm, to build that trust and relationship back with their people. Where did that erode, Chuck? I think that's been something that has eroded over you know, several years. It's not something that's happened just in the last couple of years. But I, so often, Dr. Joey, I think back to I was raised in a family owned business. And I know that within yeah. the model that, that we had, that we had open door policies where the employees were essentially our extended family. Mm. And so I've, I used that as my kind of my anchor to go back to, but I watched over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, that relationship continue to erode. And so there's been become a real chasm with regard to lack of trust. And so a part of that has to do with the way people are being managed, with the expectations that are being put on employees and the way that the communication um, has really broken down over the years. Wow, communication breaking down. I don't know about you, Chuck, but that's a constant theme as as we help companies create positive work cultures, communication, communication, communication. If they just told me, if they just explained to me, if they just ask me, what are some barriers to communication that, that some of us from a command and control, and frankly, mm-hmm. it's mostly our generation, right? From a Correct. command and control perspective, what are some of those barriers that we just need to get over? You know, a couple of those barriers. One is can be ge- the, really the geography. So it can be 
the fact that you know if our company is a large company where we're operating in multiple states, there is a barrier from a geography standpoint, and so there can be breakdowns in that communication if it's going through another you know a chain of command going down to the frontline workers. I think that's one that, but I think that's a really a pretty easy fix as far as being able to really create those channels for that that information to be able to flow. But I think the second thing is is from a leadership perspective, and oftentimes from the business owner mm-hmm. we want to wear a mask when we come to work every day and, and that mask basically communicates that we we are the boss we have everything we know our world is together we don't have any real challenges at home that we bring to work um, everything in, in work mm-hmm. is under control and so I think that since the pandemic we realized that no matter what position we are in there are a lot of things that can take place that are out of our control Yes. And so I think that's where we've seen this evolution, this transition start to occur where business owners and leaders are taking that mask off. They're mm. becoming real with their people and bringing that what I call being human back into leadership. So it allows us to be empathetic and to be able to really be transparent uh, with our people and start to really build that community back you know, within the organization, which is having a direct impact on the culture of the company. Mm, and what's that direct impact that it's having, Chuck, when the mask comes off and transparency and authenticity come to roost? Your people start to see you as a leader, starts to see you, you're being a real person to them. Oh. And so they're able to see that you know things aren't always perfect, that you have gone through difficult times. And mm. so you're able you're much more relatable at that point. And so people feel more open and more comfortable coming to you to have conversations maybe about challenges that are happening at work or Mm. in many cases when people come to work they're bringing a lot of personal issues or challenges that they have they're bringing that to work with them and that's impacting the quality of the work that they're actually able to do Mm. yeah so when trust and safety are a part of the relational capital within a company then looks like to me it's easier from an owner's perspective, it's easier to really create a positive work culture, but to create what I like to call an owner mentality in, in the company to where persons are incentivized because then they have that relationship going. What are some of the benefits you see that grow in a positive work culture that creates that kind of owner mentality? I think that's you know, when you think about that, I mean, that's where being able to align your mission, vision, values, and ultimately what the purpose of the organization is. If you can have people on your team that can understand and see that with clarity, in many cases, they'll start to see that some of their own mission, vision, values, and their purpose is in alignment with the company. That's where you get the employees to start to think about they are really become loyal to the organization and they see themselves as being invested into that company. And when that happens, that impacts the relationships that they have within the, the company itself. But it also begins to really have an impact on the, your customers, the, your mm. vendors that you have, and ultimately into the community that you're all a part of. Wow, absolutely. So that owner mentality grows in the soil of uh, an alignment of personal mission, vision, and core values with the corporate expression of that. So I can see my my own investment, my own place in the larger mission. Exactly. And yeah. So how could you not attract top talent then, right? Because the in, the teams who are in place, 
they want to bring people like that onto the team. So, man, it looks like to me, Chuck, that would just become an excellent referral source for top talent and attracting them. It absolutely, and you know, depending on the size of community that that business is located in, it really can have a dramatic impact on your ability to attract um, high caliber talent. And the fact that we're going, you know, that we are much more flexible today with looking at remote employees. Again, this is one of those situations where being located in the Carolinas, we may have a top talent that we have identified in California. Well, if we've got the right, the right culture and the right opportunity in place, those people in California can be just as big of an asset to the company as our employees here in, in the Carolinas. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Chuck Cooper from Whitewater Consulting is my guest today, Work Positive Nation. And uh, you can go to chuckcooper.info right now. Be sure while you're there to check out his new book, Unprecedented. So, Chuck, let's say we're attracting top talent. We're doing a great job of that. You know, we're doing the kinds of things that we've been talking about for our teams to be together. What do I need to do to keep these people to reduce the turnover? That's another great question. And again, this is a question that all leaders and businesses of all sizes are trying to figure out today. Uh, when we look at the best, the companies that are really considered best places to work, you know, a lot of them are really focused back on the process that they are using now to, uh, from the applicant process and the, and the real experience that they go through on that recruiting piece, they're modifying that so that they are very, very clear and very, they provide clarity and they provide peace of mind as, as that applicant goes through the interview process. And then once they get to onboarding, again, they've got a very well-defined process that's in place to where the, the, new, the new talent that's coming in, they're able to quickly connect with the, the current talent that's already there, but also to connect with them at the leadership level. One of the things that I've seen that's been really beneficial is when a new person comes to a company, is that the CEO of the company or maybe the highest ranking uh, executive that's on that location to meet with that new employee mm -hmm. and to talk specifically about the culture of the organization, to be able to explain what the culture is, why it, you know, the values of the organization and, and why it's so important to them as an employee, but also why it's so important to the company. Mm. So those are a few things that we're seeing a lot of, you know, some really companies that are being very successful. Those are some things we're seeing them implementing. So Chuck, what would you say to someone who may be that highest ranking person or have the biggest job title, however you want to talk about it on that location or whatever, and they heard you just say, take the time to go be a part of the onboarding process for that new team member. And that person may be saying, sit down and talk about culture. Oh, geez, if I got to do warm and fuzzy, I mean, if I got to get all soft, uh, what would you say to somebody like that that's sitting in a C-suite somewhere? I would probably start off by referring back to some studies that I've seen recently where it shows that of the people that have changed jobs in the last year, about half of those employees wish that they were had not made the change. And so if, really? if you are not willing to sit down and have that conversation and really stress the importance of the culture with your new people, you will have a higher potential of losing that employee mm. the first six to, six to 12 months. Mm. So you can reduce the size of your back door by having this conversation. Absolutely. And, and it, it builds relationships from the, as a leader. It builds relationships with that new person and establishes 
again, trust and respect uh, that so many people are really seeking right now. Mm, the trust and respect. Yeah. And from just somebody who may see all of this uh, as a soft skill that really doesn't pay out. If memory serves me correctly, I think it was Gallup that discovered that it costs two and a half times a person's salary when they leave in order to uh, bring someone else in and get them onboarded and in the position. So those are hard dollars, right? Those are hard dollars, and and that's a very accurate uh, number. That's a number that I actually use myself. This is about two and a half times the annual annual income or annual salary of is what it costs a company to replace that person. I'm really intrigued by what you just said because we've had millions of people right in in this great resignation. We have millions in a month, really, yeah. in this country resigning. And if I heard you correctly, you just said that about half of them wish they'd stayed. They were disappointed that they had made the change and that they were actively looking at other opportunities. Wow. Already in in the new job that they're moving to. Exactly. What were some of the challenges that they faced? Part of it is the uh, is the onboarding process that they went through. Uh, they just the companies did not have a well defined process that was in place. So they they were able to come and they got plugged in maybe to the through the onboarding with all the paperwork and got them introduced to their team. But there was really no follow through on that to really help them to develop roots into the organization and to develop, you know, to be able to fit into that culture. And mm-hmm. so this is one of the areas, again, we still have challenges on the leadership side is we can paint a really, really nice picture about what we want our talent, you know, our future talent to see. But when it comes to really implementing a lot of those uh, strategies and actually developing that culture to where you can actually live that out every day. Uh, We still have a lot of room for improvement when it comes to that. Mm. So one of those challenges is making your onboarding process a little more than filling out a W-4 and uh, sending them a laptop. You're right. And it really needs to be, you know, probably at least a 30 to a 90 day process where you have define uh, stepping stones along the way for that employee to continue to to grow into the company. Mm, so there's a path. Exactly. It's a journey. <laughs> there's yes. a whole idea. So onboarding is a challenge that companies are facing today in terms of creating a positive work culture that is attracting top talent, reducing team turnover. What are some other challenges that you're seeing, Chuck? So I think to help um, really illustrate the point, uh, I'll just share with you a, a client experience that I had a, about a year ago. And that is, um, I was, had a CEO that reached out to me that said, you know, we've got this, we've got a really good organization. It's a family owned business. But as soon as I walk in the door, I can feel stress. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that, that that tension is so strong with for everybody that comes to our, our office. And so I need somebody to come in and try to help really dissect and, and help me understand what's happening within this business. And so we came in and we did some we did interviews with the C-suite um, and we went ahead and were able to do a deeper dive into that with their mid-level managers and ultimately to the frontline employees. And what we found as we went through there was that the employees had some ideas. They had some things that they had been wanting the company to to change as far as their benefits and they were having also having challenges in the way of communication. So mm. they were they were voicing their their concerns that they had, but mm. the management was not hearing them. And so when we were able to come in and really do a that deep dive and provide back to the C suite, these are the challenges that we're seeing that with the, from your people. 
we started saying, all right, what do we need to do to fix this? And so we had three managers that were mid-level managers. Through those three people really needed some training on how to develop relationships with their team uh, mm-hmm. rather than trying to manage one to their entire organization or to their entire team. We were helping them make that transition to developing a more of a coaching model to where mm-hmm. it was one-to-one. So that manager got to know that individual, not just from a work person, but also from a, you know, they looked at their people and saw them from a holistic, both at home as well as at work. And so they were able to see when their people were really challenged and were able to help offload some of the work that they may have, or if they saw that they had extra bandwidth, they could, you know, give them more, more jobs and and more um, opportunity to, to uh, really produce more. So as we work through that, ultimately the end result was, is that there was two levels of communication that was established from the top, from the C-suite to the frontline employee, but also Mm -hmm. from the frontline employees, they had permission to go to the C-suite if, yeah. as long as they had gone to their manager with, to, if they had issues that needed to be resolved. So yeah. if that gave the employees the opportunity to feel like they were heard. And when that happened, the other issues that we had identified were, were also addressed and fixed. And within about a six-month period, uh, their turnover had dropped by more than 50%. Wow. Um, the people that they were hiring were actually coming from the employee referrals. So they were communicating to their family and to their friends, this is a place you want to come work. Mm. And so it really helped lower the cost for attracting talent and also reduce their turnover. So the KPIs within that and the performance of the organization changed significantly for the better. Mm. Boy, what an amazing story of transformation. That That is a great story. I'm greatly intrigued by the fact that you went in and you did some training with managers by having relationships. What, Correct. What is it that they missed in terms of relationships, Chuck? Because that seems to be a very specific challenge. We have from coaching and from a business perspective, as we move forward right now, is that the mid-level managers are a key uh, resource for businesses because they are the conduit that your culture flows through, your communications go through, and they're the ones that really provide that stickiness for your employees to stay with the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were able to go into this company, though, and, and start to do some training, it was, again, their focus was we are just, as managers, we are simply passing the message from the C-suite to the employees, more command and control. Gotcha. And rather than, you know, that's where we had to get them off that mark to be able to say, all right, this is the way that we want you to try and to see what your experience is and what the the results look like over the next three to six months. And so we we just did some coaching and it was really very, very basic coaching on ultimately as a spouse or as a parent, how would you communicate with your kids or how would you communicate with your spouse when you had an issue that arose? And so they would talk, we would talk that through and then say, all right, this is, we need to take this same framework and apply this with our employees and have those same type of conversations. In many cases, it's just asking questions and listening with the intent to be, so, so, so they can be heard. Mm. And it's also listening to understand rather than that command and control to say, no, I'm, I hear what you're saying, but this is the way we are going to do it. Mm. So we, we get diversity of thoughts, and and that really again it opens up that 
the communication, which opens up the relationships. Mm. So it was really a transformation from a monologue, right? Let let us tell you what C-suite said. And here's what we understood in the manager's meeting. So you guys receive this information to creating a dialogue. So they learned to ask questions, to listen attentively. And man, people just want to be heard, don't they, Chuck? That's at the end of the day, that's what that's what most people want. And so to be able to as as a manager, to be able to empathize and to be able to truly try to understand where that person's coming from. It I've seen it over and over and over the last two years, the difference that it makes in companies. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's so, so, so simple. That's the thing. It's not rocket science. <laughs> well, for some of us, it is. Uh, <laughs> it might not be for you. But, but you got to think about who gets promoted to a mid-level manager position and why. Right? They get, they get promoted because they are a technician who could build a widget faster than anybody else or whatever it is that they could do. It's a, more of a technical skill as opposed to a human being skill. That is the way we have done things for decades. And I'm here to tell you today that has changed as well. Um, We are starting to see the people that are being that have been in that manager role for 20 years. They may not be the best person for them to be in that seat to take your company forward over the next five to 10 years. And it comes back to not just the fact that they were a great salesperson or they were a great technician, but it's about how well are they able to you know, what, how strong are they with emotional intelligence? How agile are they? How adaptable, you know, are, is that, do they have those skill sets to, to perform that and really to be able to be relatable to their team? Uh, man, what a, a great opportunity, particularly as millennials and then Gen Z enter into the workforce. I mean, millennials are there. They're already the largest, right, generation exactly. today. Gen Z is the largest in terms of population. They're now the new pig in the python, whereas our baby boomers <laughs> were before, right? Correct. So, uh, so, yeah, if you want your company to continue. But I guess if you just want to sell it, <laughs> yeah, this is too much work yeah. for you. You can do that too, right, Chuck? Yeah, I, I think that you know, when you look at the, at the baby boomers, at my generation or at our generation, yeah. you know, I think when we think about our life, it's really we have looked at work as kind of being the corner, the central part of our of our world. And uh-huh. we try to fit our life around the work that we do. Yeah. And I think as you look at the millennials, you look at the Gen Z, they're looking at it. This is our life. And this is where how work is going to fit into the life that we want. Yeah. And so it's a totally different perspective that has a lot of advantages for the long term. So I'm excited and fascinated to be a part of those conversations right now. Oh, absolutely. Well, these are our children, millennials and Zs, right? And they've learned from our mistakes. Or I, I should be more confessional than my mistakes. Right? <laughs> no, ours is a great, great one. <laughs> yeah. Chuck Cooper is my guest, Work Positive Nation. Go to chuckcooper.info right now. Uh, check out his book, Unprecedented. And then there's some other great resources for you there on that website, including a way to reach out to Chuck and learn more from him personally. Chuck, Work Positive Nation, always wants to know one thing that they can do starting today to help create a positive work culture what is your one thing so i'm gonna i'm gonna steal this from david friedman's book the culture by design and in there uh, david talks about when he was talking with leaders he would go in and speak with a group and and ask the question how many of you will do a strategic planning meeting for this next year 
all hands go up. So the next second question is, so how important is culture to your success on a scale of one to five? Most of the time, the answers there are between a four and a five. The final question is, how many of you as leaders have a strategic plan that focuses in on how you're going to move your culture forward in the next 12 months? It's oh, I know quiet. how many hands went up. <laughs> Basically, no hands went up. Yep. And so if I have one thing to really encourage leaders to do and to challenge leaders is as you're going into your strategic plans for this coming year, build in a, a part of that process to really focus on your culture and on your values and be very, very intentional about how you're going to grow that and, and change that over the coming 12 months. Mm. And when you're doing that one thing, go to chuckcooper.info and there you can find a great guy who can help you do exactly that. Have a strategic plan for your culture so that you attract top talent, reduce team turnover and literally create a positive work culture that increases your team productivity as well as your profits. Chuck, thank you so much for the gift of you, your wisdom and your time and expertise today. I know I'm better for the experience and I know Work Positive Nation is too. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Work Positive Podcast with your host, executive coach and culture architect, Dr. Joey Fawcett. Please share this podcast with your friends who are small business leaders so they can create a positive work culture that increases their productivity and profits. Get your free 15-point work positive checklist to help you attract top talent and reduce team turnover. Download this checklist at workpositive.today slash checklist. Remember, it pays to work positive.